You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scene. And this week is our first week in our uh, odd sports movies? Yeah, sports movies question mark month uh, for Super Bowl, I guess. Yeah. I think that's what our whole idea was. Uh, So I guess it's best that we start off with a football type movie. That's right. And this one is the crazy Joel Silver produced, Tony Scott directed, The Last Boy Scout. This ain't no game, Flash. Joe Hellenbeck, a private detective who's run out of luck. If you touch me again, I can <laughs> two for two. Told you. Jimmy Dix. I like Prince. Oh, is an ex-quarterback who was thrown out of football. Another tragic tale of wasted youth. You're nobody. Shh. Don't tell anyone. They were trying to clean up their acts. You wreck him. I'll dust him. When they got dragged into the dirty world of sports corruption. So you're going to bribe some senators to legalize again. Legalize. Sports gambling. Now. Son, we're going to a ball game. They've got one shot. What am I going to do? Point at the bad guys and shoot! To get the goods. Ah! On the bad guys. This once, I would like to hear you scream. Play some rap music. Out <laughs> of ideas, man. Take your best shot. If they don't kill each other first. That was a bomb? Hit out of a hell of a factory recall. Bruce Willis. Damon Williams. The last Boy Scout. Danger's my middle name. Mine's Cornelius. Tell anybody I kill you. Don't forget Shane Black written because you can't mistake that watching that movie today. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But in this movie, I think uh, Shane Black is a little um, overshadowed by Joel Silver. I mean, sorry, let me say that right. Joel Silver. And and I mean they can't mistake that it's a Tony Scott movie too. That's that's for damn sure. Um, How this, much cocaine was done on this set? A lot. I I I have I have a lot of cocaine probably to talk about with the the next movie we're talking about this month as well. So it's like it's cocaine and sports. I think is our theme this month. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. And this was completely un. You know, we didn't plan this, but we have two back to back sports movies that are just crazy they're off the rails yes yes which is wonderful i love it off the rails cocaine fueled sports movies (laughs) (laughs) that 
neither of them seem to really pay attention much to the sports. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, they're there, but meh, let's just uh, watch people be morons. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty um, much that's pretty much our genre, though. Yeah, people being morons is like what people listen to us for to talk about. Like that's what we, they want to hear us be morons talk about people being morons. <laughs> so our own history on this, uh, I had not seen this probably since the mid nineties. Um, I've seen this one a bunch of times, but like the first time that I had seen Last Boy Scout was um, the first, like the first first time. I, I had a sh- like a Shane Blackathon, uh, kind of a, a little bit after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang came out, so maybe like 08, 09, something like that, because um, uh, I think Kiss Kiss came out in 05. So somewhere around you know there, I did a uh, I did a Shane Blackathon and realized I hadn't seen most of his movies like that he had written. Um, so I wanted to dig in because you know Last Action Hero is one of my favorite movies uh and I loved Kiss Kiss Bang Bang when that came out uh so yeah I went back and watched all the stuff and watched Last Boy Scout and have seen it a bunch of times since then before this what Shane Black had written a little bit obviously the dialogue in Predator and he was also you know in the movie on set then we had he did Lethal Weapon a little bit of Monster Squad and Lethal Weapon 2 yeah, I don't even think he wrote, wrote Lethal Weapon 2. He might have either just did the story or just got character credit on that. I don't know. Well, um, I think he had his name taken off it or tried oh, to because okay. he struggled so badly with it. Okay. Yeah. No. And then this probably would be first because like, I'm thinking of all his other movies like Last Action Hero and Long Kiss Goodnight. They're all after. Yeah. They're all after this, though. Yeah. Last Action Hero is 93. And then Long Kiss is 96. And then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is... 05. We're missing yeah. somewhere in there, but I don't think... I think this is probably the first one after, uh, after like, the Lethal Weapon. Yeah, this stuff. is two years, almost, after Lethal Weapon 2. Okay. Yeah. And that was Richard Donner, right? The director? Yeah. Did, yes. Yeah. Which, I, I'm kind of interesting. I think Richard Donner would have been a better director for this movie, personally. I uh, vehemently disagree. This well, is such a Tony Scott movie. <laughs> well, I think it, the reason I'm saying it is because Tony Scott and Joel Silver do not work well together. Gotcha. This is this is basically like mixing Michael Bay and uh, a good director. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh, Joel Silver is a maniac, and he's like every, something's got to happen every ten minutes. And, like, a lot of his just normal action scenes are regular people's climaxes. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's nuts. And and Tony Scott actually has a purpose for his violence. Like, he doesn't make action films for violence and explosion's sake. He has it in there, but it's built to a purpose. Well, Joel just, Silver's yeah. just like, no, just fucking make that car explode now! Yeah, like, if you look back at Silver's filmography, it is a lot of disaster explosions you know whatever tony scott is more stylistic you know like you get a lot of colors a lot of neon a lot of smoke a lot of you know fog and stuff like you get a lot of stylistic choices cool shot composition you know that's his thing i think um and god is he missed because he was such a visual director um but he made uh, beautiful films yeah he really like even if you don't like the movies they're fucking amazing to look at so um well, I guess what I'm trying to say is like Tony Scott, when he does something, there is a reason. He shoots a ridiculous amount of film 
and he's incredibly hard to edit. But whoever you know gets into his films and finds what he was making, they're they're great. Joel Silver, on the other hand, just fucking throws paint at the wall. Yeah, and just explosions, explosions, explosions. Um, well, I am not so much mocking those films. There are a place for them, but I'm saying when these two like hit, yeah, <laughs> they, like, you could what? you could see the the yeah. heads being clunked together. Well, I think it's super interesting too about particularly Tony Scott um, is that like he does pick up usually these emerging writers screenplays to make movies because you know he did this with Shane Black coming kind of as his second full like a second full screenplay credit was on this he did uh Tarantino's second screenplay with True Romance he did uh Richard Kelly's uh second screenplay after after Richard Kelly wrote uh Donnie Darko he did Domino with him like he almost he picks these like emerging screenwriters to do films for it's kind of interesting and it's like a pattern that you wouldn't think to look for, but like when you kind of really look at his filmography, he that's what he does. Well, and also both the Quentin Tarantino, Shane Black became directors themselves. Yeah. So maybe it's somehow they write a movie that he could see how he could turn it into his vision. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. That's interesting. I never would have put that together, but yeah, you're right. Cause didn't, I mean, true romance is like right after this. Yeah. Is, true think- romance is probably his next movie after this. Tony Scott's. Wow, so Tony, Tony Scott got to work with Shane Black and then right next to Quentin Tarantino. He's just like, wow, these writers around Hollywood just are amazing. Yeah, like, wow, dialogue's really good in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's, let's get into this box art. Yeah, so for, for those of you who don't know what The Last Boy Scout is, which if you're listening to the show, you probably do know what this one is, but uh, it's a big old cover of Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans with an explosion behind them, uh, and Damon Wayans has a football in his hand because he is a football player in the movie. Bruce Willis has a gun because he's a P.I. because it's a Shane Black movie, uh, and it just says, The Last Boy Scout, the goal is to survive. And that's really it. You get them two with their you know respective identifiers explosion behind them their names the title that is your cover yeah it's a i I think this is a weak cover um i get why this is just the pictures with you know put on the front of a cover but i guess maybe (laughs) because probably could you imagine putting the cover for this together because they after they watch the film they're like i i don't know just explosions i guess (laughs) and uh these two are gonna sell the movie i mean this was Damon Wayans, this was probably the height of In Living Color in 91. Like, he was probably riding that fucking wave like crazy right now. Um, and then, yeah, Bruce Willis, obviously, at post-Die Hard. Oh, this is only like three, four years after Die Hard, so he's on top of the world too right now. Yeah, he was basically, at this point, I've heard him say from like 85 to uh, after Armageddon, he his life was basically from one set to another. And I believe it. Dude was working. Dude worked. <laughs> um, yeah, but it covers not great, but I'm sold on the title. I think like if I don't know anything about this movie, I see explosions and I see the title, The Last Boy Scout. I'm like, something interesting is going to happen in this movie. It's a good, weird title. No, I think you're right. Uh, I do. I think that's one of the strongest aspects of this in a way. It's just like, it's a very interesting title where it's... So what is this about? And yeah. you have to actually watch the yeah. film. They do finally drop 
the the name the title but i think it's far enough in where you kind of actually i think it helps you understand yeah it makes sense it yeah it really like encapsulates the movie nicely but you have to see the movie first to get it like it like like you're saying like it really works as a title <laughs> good title guys yeah that's that's clever now i wonder now i don't know but i wonder if this was the original title or if like after writing it he goes you know what i'm gonna call it the last boy scout uh, yeah i don't know i'm curious i'm i'm glad i mean he always has good titles lethal weapon is a good title if you think about it long kiss goodnight has that same thing last action hero like all his titles are good titles usually um but uh like i yeah i just don't think that could happen now at the days like if this movie came out they'd be like football uh mystery and then they put it out in theaters you know <laughs> like we have to yeah. tell the audience exactly what it is or like cops and football players is the name of the movie <laughs> well i think we still get good titles uh i just think they're simplified now like i think a good title is birdman when that movie came out because i had no that was one where i looked at it, i didn't know what the movie is about and i'm like i'm interested in that what the fuck is that about but I think they're all ran through like an analytics machine. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> Whereas I think this one escaped that a little bit. Like I just, I do feel like this particular movie would have gotten a retitle today. <laughs> Probably it would have been de- football detective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they'd be like, "Good enough. <laughs> we'll slap Bruce's face on it, and we'll sell tickets." <laughs> Uh, All right, let's flip this over the back. So if you don't know what this is about, this is our description. First of all, we get a review from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, A guilty pleasure by any standard, most entertaining. The Last Boy Scout is the Super Bowl of action movies. A flat-out blitz of excitement, blow-you-away special effects, and hilarious gimme-five humor set against the world of pro football. This is great. Uh, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans star as seedy detective and a disgraced quarterback teaming to dodge ambushes, fire off one-liners, and bust chops. When the going gets tough, they get tougher and funnier. They came to play, and to settle a score in this raging fireball where bigger is better, hits are harder, and the bad guys end up deader. Uh, (laughs) Sending in plays from the sideline are guys with experience. Screenwriter Shane Black, Lethal Weapon. Producer Joel Silver, Die Hard and Lethal Weapon Films. And director Tony Scott, Top Gun. Along with Willis and Wayans, they ensure The Last Boy Scout isn't like other films. Be prepared. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, like, kind of summary. It's ridiculous. It's like the goofiest written thing, but it's, it is what you're going to get when you watch this movie. <laughs> no, this is description writer turned it in, and then someone comes back and they're like, no, no, talk like the 90s, man. That's why we hired you. And he's oh. just like, well, it's, it's, you know, it can't be too goofy. They're like, no, goof it up. Or they just gave him a bowl of Coke and were like, write the description for this. But do this coke first. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, I have 15 descriptions. <laughs> the bad guys end up deader. It's going to be a great line. Yeah. So that's uh, what this movie's about. Uh, our only two pictures on the back are Bruce and Damon Wayans looking uh, off into the night sky. And then Bruce with a gun at his head in like a very Tony Scott, you know, canted angle red lights blinds and a gun pointed at his head like that's a that's a tony yeah Scott that's shot, a for tony sure. scott shot. <laughs> <laughs> um and that's it like re- i mean there's not a lot to like look at on this cover t- 
that's in the movie you know what i mean like there's no like big scenes on the back here so you really have to dig into this movie to actually see what's going on here yeah well let's pop it in and check out some trailers now playing at a motion picture theater near you uh, we only got one. Well, I got one. I uh, Mine did not have any on there. But I think mine was older because mine didn't yeah. have the Hits logo on it. So I think mine might have been like a... I don't think it was an original, but it might have been... Yours is a 98, so mine might have been somewhere in the middle there. Mine might have been like a 95 or something like that. But no trailers for me. But I, you got one, which we watched together. Yeah, I got the Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema Century Collection. Wow, that's a really long title. Um, yeah, I mean, I watched it with you right before we started recording, and I was like, man, these are when movies were movies. They're not all good, but, like, they're all big. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of money in these like, in this fucking montage. Oh, yeah. Warner Brothers, just, like, throwing them out there. What was the new line ones that were in that? Uh, I saw Spawn. Spawn was in there a couple times. Okay. Um, was that it? I didn't, I don't think there was any other... Well, it was funny because most of it was just like, Warner Brothers knows movies. Warner Brothers knows action. And at the very end, they're like, Warner Brothers and New Line. Yeah, it presents our Century Collection. Yeah, because even the movies that they like specifically call out are like Road Warrior and uh, Lethal Weapon 4 and The Negotiator. Those are all Warner Brothers movies. They showed a lot of Batman stuff, too. Yeah, but they didn't mention Batman. No, which is weird because you'd think they'd at least mention the first two Batmans that everybody likes. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I hmm, that is weird because it was all Batman Forever. Yeah, well, no, they had shots from the other ones. They had the Joker and stuff in it, but they didn't even mention them. You'd think oh. they would because those are oh. those are probably top sellers for them. I don't know. Uh, I don't work in whatever. their marketing department in the nineties, so <laughs> this this montage was probably fueled by Coke as well. So <laughs> I hope that's how you make an action movie montage. You just do actually. It. Did you notice when you took the VHS out of this that Coke just like slowly trickles out? Mine didn't because I probably bought it used. So I think somebody got to my Coke first. <laughs> Warner Brothers actually provided you with a couple lines, <laughs> but but their team wasn't smart enough to realize that it would get shaken up during you know distribution yeah. and yeah. going to the video stores and stuff. So that's okay though. Yeah, I w- I'm I'm not a I'm not a coke doer, so it's okay. I don't I I watch movies to get my fix. So I watch movies like these to make me feel like I'm doing coke. <laughs> I like it. Ready to move on to the feature presentation? Yeah, let's get to it. And now our feature presentation. Okay, so uh, this movie started, and right away I knew that I was going to need a drink to try to understand this. This is just, how would we describe this film? Like, give me five words. Uh, detective. Um, murder. Um, football. Wisecracks. <laughs> buddy. Those are my like five words I got for this. Uh, do you want a glass of scotch? I'm good for this one. Okay. Maybe for our next one we're yeah. recording. <laughs> yeah, save it. Save it. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, mine would be bitter, cat puppet, helicopter, <laughs> football, what the fuck. <laughs> but just the WTF, what the fuck. Yeah, so WTF. That, yeah. Uh, sure, that's not one word. But, uh, th- those, that's what I remember. And... The funny thing was, is like, okay, so I hadn't watched this in a long time, probably the late 90s. I want to say probably when this is on, on Showtime, because you remember at one point, 
I believe Showtime had a lot of Warner Brothers and MGM films. Before it switched, and then HBO got all the Warner Brothers stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. like in the 2000s when that switch happened. So yeah, probably, weird, you're yeah, probably right. The, yeah. So I watched this probably back then. And what I remembered about the movies, I always remember Billy Blanks at the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll, we'll get into actually describing this movie. And then I remember the creepy Milo. Mm-hmm. I always liked that actor. Tyler Negron. Yeah, he's yeah. he's good. I remember him in Biodome, too. Uh, he's so, great. He's way, a great character actor. Yeah, he, the way he speaks just makes you so uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. It's like a great uncomfortable, very interesting. Like, why is he making me so uncomfortable? <laughs> and I remember uh, Damon Wayans riding a, a horse on a football field. <laughs> yes. And that, that's kind of like... That's it. And there's a few things that snuck up on me. And so watching this film was kind of like a nice nostalgia blast that I had forgotten so much about this. Yeah. Uh, the the horse reminded me of like my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the movie when Bruce Willis says they got brothers riding horses now. And Damon Wayans says cars were getting too hard to steal cracks me up every time like <laughs> yeah it, it's hard to believe that these two hated each other during it, the filming of this it does not come across at all the chemistry in this movie is incredible i do wonder if them hating each other because this was two giant egos yeah um i i don't know if you know a lot about damon wayans i know yes. you know a ton about bruce willis yes i know damon wayans is extremely difficult to work with too that's essentially why he's not working on big movies anymore. Yeah, he's too hard, too much of a hard ass. And he's just really hard on himself, too, I heard. Like, he's never happy with any takes or anything like that. So you're doing 100 takes when you're working with him. Another problem with this movie is Bruce Willis likes to get things right fast. Damon Wayans is very much, can I get another shot? Can I get another shot? And you've got Tony Scott who never fucked fucking stop shooting yeah like he probably has set records on length of film shot he's he's a ridiculous he's like known as the worst <laughs> when it comes to that now yeah. he makes you know obviously beautiful visual dynamic films but god could you imagine being his editor yeah you're like fuck and one of the most famous editors of the 90s mark goldblatt edited this movie and i i can understand why they probably brought him in because yeah it's like it's a lot to go through. <laughs> this movie had seven editors. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, one credited, Mark Goldblatt. Who, uh, well, they seems, all got paid. <laughs> who seems to be the one, like, because he's done a lot of these hack job movies that he's finished or whatever. He seems to be the fixer. Dem- he Dem- seems to be the finisher. Yeah, I did Demolition Man. I remember yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tango and Cash. Probably, that sounds Which, like his. Which, actually, Tango and Cash is probably his, his biggest miracle. <laughs> You're like... You figured this out. Good for you, because I've heard that one's a goddamn mess when it came to production, too. As far, though, as like movies, I mean, we'll just get it out of the way right now. As far as movies that are troublesome to be put together or whatever, I fucking love The Last Boy Scout. I love this movie. Like, I have no problem saying that, like, I just genuinely fucking love this movie. (laughs) I don't love it, but I'm entertained by it. I, I don't know where that fits in my like library of movies, but I didn't stop watching this film. This was like, I watched it straight through, nothing distracted me. So I've got to give everyone involved in this 
the, that credit. That actually takes a lot because it's so easy to get distracted with your phone in front of you. And I watch this on my computer. That's like really fucking hard. Yeah, I mean, like right right now, I'm like I'm watching a ton of movies for Windy City Horrorama. There's my name drop for this this episode. Plug um, it, plug it. But like. I agree because like I've been watching so many movies like all I ever want to do when I watch a movie is tune out so it's like I'm watching the movies through podcasts I'm watching movies through the festival um I'm not watching any movies for joy right now <laughs> but 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 I love this movie because yeah I just I do I zone out and I'm in it and I just fucking I love this movie like I don't need to look at my phone when I'm watching this I don't need to get distracted by emails or anything I am watching this movie when I watch this movie yeah, it's well, it, it kind of grabs you by the neck. It's like you fucking watch me. Yeah, I mean, with Shane Black's like aggressive dialogue from moment one in this movie, um, and also like I have, it took me this many times seeing it to realize that this might be one of the movies I've seen that has like the most swearing in it. Like every other word is fucker shit. Which is great. Like, I love it. <laughs> like, it just, like, took me, like, about halfway through the movie, and I was like, this has to be some kind of record. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I think an Oliver Stone movie has, at one time, had the most fucks, and I don't know if it was um, the, the football movie he did, mm. or if it was JFK. I don't know. Either way, but that's interesting. I wonder how many are in this. Yeah, this has to be a top tenner. If like if somebody is doing a count of this, so let us know. Some nerd, <laughs> some nerd out there needs to to really hit the books here. Yeah, or, or hit the tape. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, and I'm talking the whole gamut too. I'm not saying like the most fucks in a movie. I'm saying fucks, shit, everything else you can imagine is in this movie. Like, oh, that's true. Everything you can imagine. <laughs> So let's you want to let's let's try to now I've got some pretty good movie notes on this because like I said fully invested even watch this movie a second time because we what you guys don't know and girls is that uh, we hadn't recorded together for a while just us two we did a bonus episode with a special guest that'll be coming out soon but when it comes to just you and I doing it it's been like what. Has it been? been a couple weeks, yeah, at least three weeks, maybe three weeks, Four? yeah. That sounds about Somewhere right. Three weeks, there. yeah, because uh, we we piled in our after. Well, we did. We got back together after the holidays, so it was probably about three weeks. Yeah, and we piled them all in together. And then we like I watched them too fast, so that means I had to rewatch it again. <laughs> like, wait, what? So then I took really good notes. So. It starts off with a, uh, this is not a ripoff of um, Are You Ready for Some Football? Oh, the song that starts off? I'm kidding. It's a ridiculous ripoff. Yeah. Friday Night is Great Time for Football, performed by Bill Melody. Medley. I'm sorry, Medley. Nice. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) I think he even mentions like Cleveland in the song. Uh, I would put the song up. Maybe I can do like five seconds. There we go, because otherwise I'm getting flagged by YouTube. <laughs> yeah, this is like, but this kind of like spectacle that they present at the beginning that I did not watch football as a kid. I was not a football kid. I'm still not a football. I, I don't like football. It 
bores the shit out of me. This is what I like remember kind of seeing though. Like the kind of spectacle that doesn't exist today with football. Like that they had it in the nineties where it where football almost did feel like a Tony Scott movie for like a while. <laughs> um but That's yeah, this fair. beginning is sort of like how I remember football growing up, even though I didn't really watch it. Just giant uh um shoulder pads and these ridiculous yeah, that's kind of a good point. Like when this during this time period of football, the equipment was massive. And also like the players were like mythic. Nowadays everybody knows all the players cuz they're on social media and so it, that, it's not yeah. they were mythic and untouchable and godlike in the 90s for sports fans. Not right. for me, I could give a shit, but <laughs> Well, you want to talk about mythical? How about Billy Blanks coming out here as Billy Cole having the game of his life? Uh, yeah, for a minute <laughs> yeah at halftime or something like that he's in the locker room i think it was halftime and he came out and uh the character milo which we don't know the character's name yet calls him and he's just like a lot of money riding on this billy better uh better have one hell of a second half so billy shoves pcp in his mouth i assume that's what it was i, I think it was because um, i think later on they said he was high on pcp well and you do it all the time yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> you're huge. on it right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I keep it actually in my clamshells. Yes, yes, and, he does, and he puts them out like candy bowls when we come to record. <laughs> and I'm like, Steve, I don't want to do PCP with you. <laughs> come I want to do it at home alone. <laughs> stop being a stop being a pussy, man. <laughs> Take the PCP. <laughs> one of these episodes, I will. I promise. <laughs> uh, probably the next one. <laughs> probably the next one. <laughs> So uh, he he starts running and he's just like running dudes over and then for some reason he pulls out a gun and shoots three others to score and then blows his head off and I remember renting this film because my dad rented us this I'm sure my dad was like sweet Bruce Willis I love him a black guy who's funny like them yeah <laughs> sorry dad I, I'm not saying you're racist I'm just saying you probably the 90s were a different yeah. time and it was you know we weren't quite woke yet you we weren't woke yet well no I, I just think he only knew one black guy's name and that was pr- <laughs> well maybe OJ Simpson and um uh Eddie Murphy there you go yeah you you know what's weird about my dad he likes Beverly Hill cop Beverly Beverly Hills cop three more than one I've never seen three Tony Scott did the second one. <laughs> There's our connection. That's true. <laughs> no, I always tell my dad, you're the only person in the entire world who says that. And he's like, oh, I just think he's funnier than that. <laughs> it's it's the John Landis one. It probably is funnier. It's probably sillier. Um, but I've never seen it, though. But my dad probably looked at this cover and said, football, we're written this, kids. <laughs> and then as soon as that happens, I, I you know his brain went, shit. Yeah, as soon as there's guns, this guy blows his brains out graphically on a football field in like the first maybe five minutes of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so then we immediately uh, go to Joe. Uh, uh, we find out a private investigator who is a disgraced former Secret Service agent, and he really likes to smoke cigarettes. If you didn't already know that this was a Shane Black movie... <laughs> Let me let me let me give you the uh, menu for uh, what <laughs> yeah. we can order off the Shane Black uh, uh, tropes list, and we've got them all in this film. Yes. <laughs> uh, smoking, yep. Pi, uh, disgraced. Uh, Pi, depressed. Yep. Um, on the rocks in a relationship. Yep. Buddy comedy. Buddy comedy. Um, a lot of swearing. Yes. Got to be uh, and very 
they wear their emotions on their sleeves, but at the same time, they act like nothing hurts them. Yeah, they're unaffected, but like they will tell you everything that's going on. Yes. So uh, basically, he just writes himself. I think this. I think during this period in the '90s when Shane Black was crank, cranking all these out, he was going through some shit, and he mm-hmm. is working through it in all of these movies. <laughs> well, since we hadn't recorded in a long time, I did a lot of research on this film because. Uh, I mean, literally just put in the last Boy Scout production and you'll get uh, writers have a blast writing about this because it, it's just so many different avenues you can go down. You, know, you can talk about Joel Silver being insane. You can talk about Tony Scott hating how insane Joel Silver is. <laughs> you can talk about how Bruce Willis hated Joel Silver. You can talk about how Bruce Willis and Damon Waynes hated each other. You can talk about how the editors would come into the room and just Joel Silver would take over. They're like, I thought you hired me to actually edit a fucking film. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, there's just so much. So lovely research on our um, movie facts that we'll have. But uh, going farther in, we find Joe is married and uh, to what's her name who played something in Masters of the Universe. Shit, I forgot her name. She's barely in the movie anyway. But, yeah, I forget who plays the wife in this. Uh, Chelsea, um, Chelsea Field. Okay. Uh, she plays Sarah. And I'll always remember her in Masters of the Universe like it was He-Man's bodyguard. Oh, okay. Tila? I've only seen that movie once, and it took me like five times to get it through the yeah. one time. So, <laughs> if you don't know this, I don't listen to people's names in movies. If I memorize their names, it's amazing. This one I had no choice because if I did a super cut of how many times they say Joe and Jimmy in this, <laughs> you fucking just go crazy. Uh, another, just another Shane Black thing. Like, of course, our lead PI is named Joe. He might as well be Joe Friday from and, Dragnet. And then and then Jimmy. So you could say Jimmy the whole movie. Well, he likes all these old pop com uh, he li- uh he likes all these old pop com- pulp comics, man. I can't fucking say yeah. pulp comics. Uh he loves them and he loves the simple names, these noir. Yeah, this just... he loves detective stories, noirs and like yeah, pulp stuff. And they always have super simple names. Yeah. Jimmy, Joe, Bob. Yeah. You know. That's that's the thing, but yeah, he does. God, this has so many of the Shane Black tropes. All oh, of them, all of yeah. them are in this movie. Also, like while we're while we're getting into Joe here, this is this is like a really good Bruce Willis performance. Um, and I mean, kids that weren't alive this you know at this time that are uh, just growing up today. Let me tell you, Bruce Willis used to give a shit. Like, yeah, Bruce Willis is, used to be a good actor, and he's pretty good in this movie. This was before he was burnt out. Uh, I think he officially hit burnt out after probably I looked Pulp this up. Fiction, maybe Armageddon. No, no, no. I looked this up, So, and this is an interesting thing. So I looked. So I was watching the whole nine yards the other day just because I love that movie, um, and uh, he's great in that. He's because he's having yeah. fun. He's it's a comedy, and I kind of look at. So I was like, man, Bruce Willis still gave a shit, and this movie came out in two thousand. And I I looked at his list of movies, and you could literally go, oh man, after whole nine yards, he like closes his eyes and stops giving a shit. He has pockets of good performances, like I think Sin City, he does a good job. Um, and there was one other one that I thought he was pretty good in after that, but like. It 2000 is like the marker, like when it ends for him. I'm like, wow, he made it all the way to 2000, giving uh, good performances. What happened? He got divorced in 2000 from Demi, and that's probably what killed him. 
Oh, I'm, that's wow! Yeah, look at your detective work. I there. did. I was doing some PI work uh, <laughs> for this one. I was being a regular Joe over here. Um, so you're saying the last Boy Scout too is Joe, Jimmy, and Matt? Yeah, I'm gonna go on this adventure. You're gonna be the Joe Pesci of the group. I'm gonna be the Joe Pesci, and I'm gonna ruin the franchise for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Any oh. chance of having a third one? Not gonna happen because I'm gonna come in there and ruin it. <laughs> what? Man, what a thing to put on your resume. I, I'm the ruiner of the last Boy Scout franchise. <laughs> they were gonna today it's gonna be big. It was gonna be a whole trilogy. Nope. Made one with me, never made another. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he finds out that his wife Sarah is cheating on him with his friend, his best friend, and business partner Mike. Who's the guy in the closet? Excuse me? Oh, that's right. Sometimes you forget I'm a detective. See, there's all this steam in the shower like somebody was just in there. Only your hair's dry. So it must be somebody else we're talking about. Mail somebody because the toilet seat's up. Since he's not under the bed, I figured you must have stuck him in the closet when you heard my key hit the lock a day early. So, who's the guy in the closet? Jesus Christ, nothing changes. You're still a lunatic. Gonna tell me who it is? You want me to open the closet, Joe? I'll do it, okay? And then we'll both know that you're a fucking psycho. Is that what you want, huh? No. Thank you. The door stays shut. What I'm gonna do is count to three. Then I'm gonna put a bullet in that door. You can stop me anytime by telling the truth. One. Call your shrink, Joe. Call him and tell him that you're fucking losing it. The truth is a beautiful thing. Two. How dare you come into this house and pull the shrink? No! Look, Joe. Keeping it warm for me, Mike? Easy. Don't do nothing now. I think his name's Mike. Whatever. Uh, It doesn't really matter because he immediately dies. (laughs) Yes. He, like, gives Joe an assignment. He's like, here, this stripper hired me. You take the case. I don't want it. Gets in his car. Boom. Blows up. Car blows up. Um, What I also love about this movie, too, is, like, he finds out he's getting cheated on. And, like, Bruce Willis plays it so well where he's like, this sucks, but, like, of course. You know, like, that's kind of his performance. And then he still takes the job from his boss. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's like, all right, well, what do you got for me? (laughs) Well, he also does the little joke, head or gut. And what? And then he punches him in the gut. Yeah. And that will come back later in the film. But I did like how he just pointed the gun at the closet and he goes, tell me who it is, Sarah. And she's like, you're crazy. You're crazy, Joe. He's like, I'm going to, okay, yeah, I am crazy. I'm just going to shoot this closet if you don't tell me. And then finally, Mike just like got his hands up. And I can tell you one thing. She's really slumming. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She had in his prime Bruce Willis and went for Mike (laughs) after that. (laughs) Yes, way past his prime, whoever he was from Animal House. I can't remember the character's name in Animal House. He was the guy on the motorcycle. I don't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyway, he looks bad in this. He, he looks like a sack of potatoes. So I'm like, not, not, I mean, no offense, buddy. 
but you know what you look like. <laughs> we're body shaming now. Yeah, we're just that's what we've we've become. That's well, what this podcast is about now. Body shaming men. <laughs> yeah, we just body shame men in nineties movies that only people like us watch. <laughs> Shit, forgot to turn off my phone. Uh better silence that. We're professionals here. Yeah, we do research <laughs> and we uh turn off our phones. <laughs> then we meet Jimmy Dix, who is in a strip club. And we find out he is a disgraced former quarterback. Actually, we first see him at some type of after party. Like, no, it wasn't after party. It was in the morning where everyone is uh, hungover. He gets up. One of the linemen he used to play with is basically trying to rape someone in a pool. Yeah. And Jimmy hits him square in the face from about 20 yards away and busts his nose open. Uh, so I was like, "Hey, I guess he's likable now." Yeah. yeah, well, you could, and you could tell, like, you know, obviously th- that was a a good character trope. But you can also you can also tell that he uh, about his character, he still got the money and stuff from his mm-hmm. career because he's still having the parties. Um, well, he still hangs even, out with those guys. Yeah, it wasn't his place, which I found interesting because the guy's like, "What are you doing here? You you were kicked off the team." So it's not his place, but yeah, he definitely... Well, I think he used all of his money on drugs, on painkillers. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Well, I, I guess I mean that he still runs with this crew, and he yeah. still goes to the flashy parties, I guess is what more what I meant. Uh, uh, but yeah, he that is that is the reason he is the disgraced player. Yeah, and then he goes to a strip club to see uh, a very young... Halle Berry. Halle Berry, who is playing... Uh, she's got a uncommon cory she's got an uncommon uh stripper name cory yeah she is foin in this movie like I'm sorry what was that foin <laughs> foin <laughs> yeah she's quite a good looking lady uh and and also you can tell right away she knows how to act oh yeah you could tell that she's gonna have her career Actually, I should read. That's actually not her name now. It's uh, Oscar winning Halle Berry. That's right. Academy Award winner Halle Berry. Um, yeah, like this, this and the Flintstones, you could tell she was going to be a star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had to go to the Flintstones, huh? Of course I had to go to the Flintstones because I love that movie because I'm insane. <laughs> uh, I've seen the second one and it hurt me. I never saw that. Don't. Because I don't want to get hurt again. <laughs> uh, if anyone has the second Flintstones, please send it to me. Uh, I will give you my address so we can torture Matt with it. Okay. <laughs> Just give me the PCP first. Oh, well, I've got it in my clamshell. <laughs> uh, so uh, we see Joe who comes to the strip club. He's talking to Corey. Clearly, he's going to take the job. Jimmy sees this from across the room, comes over, and just they just start you know, verbally, like, I don't know sparring, mm-hmm. which Let's is which that. happens a lot in this movie. Yeah, and it's Jimmy mostly attacking him. Where Joe's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever, kid." Uh, it's definitely like the old man, young kid vibe. Yeah. Kid is said a lot in here, yeah. like in not in like a racist way, like in like a I'm an old man, I'm an old grizzled detective, and you're just a kid. You don't even know. Even though they both kind of look the same age yeah exactly (laughs) you're like what is damon wayne's 30 and bruce willis is 40 yeah maybe maybe yeah Yeah. 38 (laughs) so uh maybe it's just saying because he's seen a lot of shit yeah uh and he doesn't scare easy uh so Corey and joe leave 
in separate cars. I didn't really pick up why. It doesn't really matter. Corey gets hit from behind and then is gunned down in the street. And before that, Joe is knocked out by the same men who gunned down Corey. And escape. I don't really know what happens, but either way, Jimmy follows Corey and gets pinned down. Joe saves Jimmy. Do you see what I mean with the Joe and Jimmys? Yeah, Joe and Jimmy. Um, uh, and I'm not going to say Bruce and Wayans because, damn it, I remembered their names and I'm going to use them. Their characters' names. Go, go for it. Go yeah. for it. I'm just going to interchange them. <laughs> sometimes I'll say Joe. Sometimes I'll say Bruce because we're friends. Well, this is basically where they become partners because I think Jimmy comes back with Joe to his apartment to meet his kid. Daniel Harris. Yeah, uh, very, very young Daniel Harris. Uh, still post-Halloween movies, but pre, you know, her second career that she's had now. Yeah, um, she's definitely got the teenager vibe going here because she is mean. And she is swearing at her dad through a talking puppet, which is hilarious uh, yeah. and a really fun scene. Um this whole section is actually really great, I think. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, it really gave you a family dynamic that they live in where he's, you know, probably a dad who isn't home enough. He doesn't talk to her about what's going on. So they're just lashing out of each other because they're like, I don't know how to talk to you. Yeah. I don't know how to talk to you. Yeah, pretty much. And then Jimmy's like, hey, you guys should calm down. Hey, I'm going to go do drugs in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe catches him and kicks him out. But right before he can fully leave the house, Daniel Harris uh, hands um, Jimmy a ball. He signs it. Uh, Tell your dad. To the last Boy Scout, Jimmy. Something like that. And then uh, they split up. And then we actually start to get into, like, what's going on in this movie. Because the Dallas... Is it the Dallas Stallions? I don't remember the names of the team. I, like, have, like, a the mental block that I have with actual real sports comes up when sports come up in movies. So I don't know the names of the teams. <laughs> well, they went, to, they went to Corey's place, and it was trashed. And they found a tape. Uh, Jimmy, and this is before they get to his apartment. I skipped this. They find a tape, like, I don't know, whatever. And she it was the owner of the team. But Jimmy tries to play it in Joe's shitty tape deck, and it eats the tape. <laughs> that was fun. He's like, why the fuck? How the fuck am I supposed to know that your tape player is shitty? Yeah. He's like, you got to be careful with it. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't fast forward. It eats the tape. How the <laughs> fuck am I supposed to know that? And I was totally with Jimmy on that. I'm like, yeah, Joe. How, I mean, you got to You got to be clear about these things. And Joe just like totally, again, just like blank face. Like, you got to be careful with these things. <laughs> you got to be careful with technology. Yeah. Fear technology. It just Well, yeah. this is an, another thing that about, you know, Shane Blackism. Uh, Joe is an analog man trapped in a growing technological world. He is very much an analog guy. Yeah. <laughs> we, we could drink with him. He'd be cool. Until like, like the the, until like the racism came out, then I'd be like, okay, we gotta we gotta leave. He's Damn getting it. he's getting too like uh, we gave him too many drinks, and now he's starting to like no tell flash the racist yeah they're <laughs> starting to tell the uh, inappropriate racist jokes yeah where like, he's the only one laughing and yeah then, and then slapping you in the shoulder like yeah you get it and I'm like no I got it I get it like you just made me fucking uncomfortable now because <laughs> it's like a line you walk you could be like offensive and kind of like trashy and like be like all right we like you and then you get like too dark and we're like okay like stop like don't put the fucking lynching ropes away you fucking crazy man <laughs> well you could tell in this 
film getting more into Joe and Jimmy that they really wanted to make that Shane Black wrote this as a mystery. They were trying to put yes. all this together. Yes. But you know, when other people get involved in this, clearly you're just like, no, let's strip that down. We, no one wants a fucking detective film. We got to get quicker to this. So we find out Marcone is the stallions owner and he wants legal gambling to get um, to basically revitalize the NFL. Because in this game, like the NFL now, their ratings are sagging. Yeah. So let's make legalized gambling. Well, he can't get gambling legalized because the senators won't vote for it. So he's got to go through buying senators. And he gets to the last senator who is played by, oh, this is a great, um, Chelsea Ross who plays uh, Senator um, Calvin Bernard. Uh, you remember him? He was from Major League. He's played a lot of bit roles. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Now I remember. He yeah, did, so yes, he, the, sen- he, the last senator. Guy. Yeah, he's yeah, a yep. scummy senator who likes to torture women. Yes. But in public, he likes to be the person who's against gambling and drugs. Yeah. So basically playing a Republican. Yeah. <laughs> I set you up for Thank that. you for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, our I, listeners would have been disappointed if yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, if you wouldn't have said it, it would be like Matt's changed. It's not the same. Uh, so ever since Christmas, he's been different. <laughs> but uh, Joe was actually the Secret Service agent who saved the president, so he was a hero for a while. Again, just basically Shane Black, who wrote *Lethal Weapon*, became or *Predator* and *Lethal Weapon* became a hero, and now he's disgraced. Yes. So he's in his. He's um, going through some shit. <laughs> yeah. So the senator got him fired because he wouldn't cover up him torturing girls. So he got him fired, and now he's a PI. That's all I really know. And by the way, they throw some cops in this. Uh, apparently, Bruce Willis knows a lot of the cops. I don't know if he was a cop. I don't think he was. I I think it's just because he worked with them. Unless yeah. he worked his way up. Maybe he was a cop and then became Secret Service. Either one of those two. Well, basically, he has a captain that yells at him. Yes. Which I was like, okay, Shane Black, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah angry captain. Yeah. Always. <laughs> Damn it, why can't you play by the rules, Joe? Um, just like sidebar, my favorite Shane Black angry captain is in Last Action Hero because it's like the spoof of like the angry black captain, like <laughs> literal smoke is coming yeah. out of his ears in that one scene. Like I, f- oh God, I fucking love that movie. That movie's about to have a second wave calling it now. People are going to start liking that movie soon. I have defended that movie. This is before I even knew who Shane Black was. I defended that movie in the 90s. Me me (laughs) too. No, this is a really good film. You guys are insane. It's (laughs) It's coming around. It's coming around. We're going to be vindicated in that now, like pretty soon. People are coming around to this movie. (laughs) It's it's so stupid. It's smart. Exactly. It's like... It's it's a spoof of these action movies before there was anything like that. Like, but it still functions as an action movie. It's brilliant. You guys will see that soon. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So anyway, back to the senator. He he's got to buy him, but he finds he basically somehow in some complicated process goes. It's actually easier to kill this senator than to pay him six million dollars. And that's when I when my uh, like I was like I don't believe that. No. Why would you kill a senator? That would be so much harder. Just If you're going to make gambling legalized, you would make a shit ton of money off it. $6 million just feels like it's not that much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's an investment for those people. Like, yeah. you know. If it would have been $60 million, then I'd have been like, oh, yeah, you got to shoot that senator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a lot more. That's a, that's a lot more zeros. <laughs> well, actually, just one more zero. Well, one more zero, but it's a lot more money. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, that's great. Right when my brain realized that. Jimmy and Joe are like, you know what? Let's go. We're going to get this senator. But they get captured at one point, or Joe gets captured, and then the um, Marcos has his hitmen, led by Milo, yeah. uh, grab Joe and basically set up the senator's bodyguard, which is a very clever scene, by the way, because Joe gets there and he's standing there, he's kind of confused, and Milo goes up to the bodyguard, he's like, damn it, did anyone frisk this guy? guy could be carrying. And while they're frisking him, Inside the trunk of the car, it spins kind of like a lazy Susan. Is that what that's called? Mm. And then it's got the briefcase with the bomb now facing him. So as soon as he turns around, he gets that one instead of the $6 million. I just, I cracked up at that. I was like, wow, that just seems so simple. <laughs> it's such a, it is such like a, like a noir detective thing to happen. Yeah. Like a little, little bitty gadget in a yeah, car. Kind of, kind of James Bondy, but not like heavy on it, you know? Just yeah. a nice little thing. So they have someone take a picture of Joe handing the bodyguard the briefcase because they're going to frame it on Joe. Uh, this, you know, it's really easy. He is the one who had a problem with the senator. He got fired by him. I don't know how they found that out, but I don't know. Uh, but they didn't have the internet then, so. They have ways of making people talk. <laughs> how, how did you fact check back then? You'd have to go to the library and look at all the newspapers. Fuck that. Or even worse talk to people nope nope <laughs> no matt no 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 get out of my house okay let me get some pcp first <laughs> oh yeah that's true grab a few i've got like two he's got a lot of pcp <laughs> here <laughs> i assume they come in pills yes i yeah they're yeah, all in your yeah, clamshells okay. don't lie <laughs> come on damn it i want to play this off like i'm not doing pcp <laughs> Uh, so, um, Jimmy comes to rescue him and, uh, Joe's daughter sneaks in the car and he's like, what are you doing in here? And she goes, he keeps a gun in the glove compartment. But for some reason, Jimmy doesn't want to hold a gun throughout this film. Yeah. He's, well, he's not, he has not been exposed to this world. He's used to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, like killing somebody is kind of out of his realm <laughs> kind of out of his world but i mean he's seen some shit he, he saw his girl gunned down in the middle of the street you think he'd been like i don't know how to use this but he'd at least <laughs> take it he doesn't which sets up that when jimmy gets caught so does uh joe's daughter and they come up and this is the scene that is so weird bizarre but perfectly fun it just it's like a Shane Black thing to do. Yeah. She comes up, starts talking with the doll, and then hands it to Joe. Joe start makes an inappropriate joke and it's hilarious, and then he just starts blowing him, blasting him because she had hid the gun in, in the, the talking doll. doll. Yeah, yeah. It's riddle time. Why did Mr. Milo cross the road? The fuck? I don't know why. Because his dick was stuck in a chicken! <laughs> Furball? Yeah! <laughs> Hurry, Tom! Is this is 
enjoy the first pussy a lot of you guys have seen in a long time. Especially this fat fuck over here. Where'd you get this suit, Grandpa? Gangsters arrested. <laughs> I love that this is like the scene in the woods. Basically, this whole section that's in the woods with Milo and then the reveal of them and then the talking puppet and then you start shooting them up. This whole section is another one. I'm like my favorite scenes in this movie. I also feel like Shane Black kind of took this scene particularly and did it again in Nice Guys, which is very, if you watch Nice Guys in this movie back to back, they're almost the same movie. Shane Black makes the same movie every time and that's why we love him. But like... um, Nice Guys is so close to Last Boy Scout. There's a scene with uh, with Ryan Gosling and his daughter and uh, Russell Crowe in the movie that's very similar to this one uh, that I like was having Last Boy Scout flashbacks to when I saw Nice Guys in theaters. <laughs> I always wonder if Shane Black did that film because he didn't like how The Last Boy Scout turned out, and he's like, "Damn it, I'm doing my duo again, and this time I'm directing it." Yeah, I feel, I honestly feel like that's exactly it. And the fact he does the same movie every time, not a, not a knock on him though. If you got a formula that works, keep it up. But like, well, I think and, kiss, yeah, making kiss, it right. I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, you have your neurotic actor as the lead in that one. Uh, I think that is. Shane Black. I think Shane Black just keeps putting himself in the movie, and then he adds a character that he wishes he he was friends with. Yeah, or hey. or it's Fred Decker. Like he's right. Could here. be. It could be. <laughs> like, hey, Fred, you want to make some money? Sure do. <laughs> yeah, we can't put your name on it because you're still got a shit stain on in Hollywood. But like, you can co-write this with me. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he just gives him a portion of his salary. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. sure he gets. Decker makes hella money. Well, actually, rewrites. probably the production studio goes, yeah, we'll pay him, but we're not going to put him on the film. You know that, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. He'll do it. Yeah. Fred's an easygoing guy. <laughs> uh, so uh, back to this. Um, yeah, they blast away, and then they're like, they get chased by Milo, and this is such a Joel Silver moment. The Milo's car goes off a cliff, rolls, smashes. You can see they're like showing close-ups of their face, shaking the camera. And then they smash into a rich L.A. guy's pool. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Damon Wayans, when they go up to him, he goes, you think he's dead? And Bruce Willis just shoots the car up a bunch of times. He goes, now he is. <laughs> but he's not. <laughs> yeah, because Milo's like all fucked up and just keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Joe and Jimmy leave uh, Joe's daughter. I don't even know that character's name. I forgot it. I'm gonna I just know it's Daniel Harris. What's yeah, that's all I know too. Um, Darren? Darian? Darian? I think that's right. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Darian. Darian. Yeah. Okay, I don't remember him even saying her name, but I'm sure he did. Um, yeah, he. They just leave it with this doughy rich guy, who was the friend in the Burbs. Yes. Uh, the the guy that. Um, yeah, the, the funny guy in the birds. But who would I, I always confuse him for somebody? I always confuse him for Bill Murray's brother. Yes, 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 yes. Um, what's his name though? I don't know. I don't do names. <sighs> Joel. Joel Murray. That Joel one. Murray. Okay. Joel Murray. Yeah. yeah, that's the one I always. I always confuse this guy for Joel Murray. Um, but yes, the guy from the Burbs, the funny guy, makes an appearance in this one too. Very brief because about two minutes later, Milo comes up. and while he's calling the cops, Milo just blows his head like open. I mean, they they cut away from it. Clearly, they did a really cool prosthetic with it, and like just his 
half his brains probably went out on the table, but they're like, hey, we got to cut this down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Tony Scott, like, pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> I worked really hard on that squib. <laughs> uh, but uh, so then Jimmy and Joe break into, you can tell this is pre-9-11. They just basically walk around a gate to get into the football game. They're like, oh, yeah, we're good. Uh, Jimmy keys the owner's car. He says he always wanted to do that. Yep. <laughs> and um, Jimmy has a shotgun with blast shells. I guess these are the shotgun shells that cops use to blow the hinges off doors. Mm. So he's like, a, you know, could kill anything from 10 feet away. Uh, explodes right on contact. So that's actually important in about 10 minutes. Yeah. So they get caught immediately. I love it. I don't know why they're uh, walking down the player's uh, hallway to get to the field. No clue. Don't care. Yeah. But they bump into the fat guy that almost raped the girl in the pool. And he's just going, I fucking hate you. And then Jimmy takes the gun and goes, you want to get your head blown off? <laughs> I was like, wow, this this fat guy doesn't know when to shut up. <laughs> uh... But they get into Marcone's, Marcone, whatever his name is. They get into his office. And it's just a beautiful display of telling his entire plan. Like a Bond villain. Yes. Yeah. Pulp novel. There it is right there. Yeah, he shoots Jimmy in the hand. God damn, I'm really glad to see you, Jimmy. You know, I've, I've still got that autograph ball you gave me for my collection. Yeah. It's a shame about you. You had the million-dollar arm, kiddo. Yeah, you got hooked on, uh, what was it, uh, D- Demerol. Because you couldn't stand the pain. You hated the pain. Didn't take the pain, Joe. Life is pain, Jim. Hey, what the f- Hey! Oh! Walk it off, son. Oh. Discipline. Oh, God. Kids nowadays just don't have discipline. Uh, they make a distraction eventually. Jimmy blows something up? I don't remember what it was, but it was with that shotgun. And they run away. But they split up. Joe goes up. Jimmy goes down. (laughs) Jimmy goes to the field to create a distraction while Joe goes up to the Raptors because the boss told him where Milo's going to be to shoot (laughs) the senator. I was like, I love it. You told him the exact plan. If you just were to shut up. He, He... Is the classic villain where he has to tell the plan because he knows he knows he's got the heroes. They're done for, so he's got to lay out the whole plan just to rub it in their face. Good guys get away. Yeah. <laughs> I did like how Jimmy uh, told the owner, uh, "We got the money in the car, and it's actually the briefcase with, with the, bomb. the bomb." Yep. So when the well, we'll describe the uh, climax here because this is. This is a Joel Silver climax. And I knew it right when I saw it. And then it got, you know, I got my um, proof (laughs) while reading all the articles here. So Jimmy gets on a horse, rides in the middle of the field, (laughs) takes a football with his hand with a hole in it. Mm. He just got it shot by the, the owner, throws the football and busts the senator in the nose while Milo had him in his, uh, you know, had him in the scope, ready to shoot him, shoots above him, miss, and then he just like unleashes his entire clip like a maniac. Joe goes over, fights him, knocks him 
over. And then when he gets up, the SWAT team just lights Milo up. Yeah. Just like... Yeah. Squibs everywhere. Yes. Beautiful. It's awesome. The the lighting behind it. You could actually see the light like glaring off the squib blood. Yeah. It very again, Tony Scott. But like, uh, yeah. Then we get Joe Silver. Real practical stuff, though. It's this is the shit in the '90s that we grew up with, kids. (laughs) The horse I knew was Joel Silver, uh, easily. Yeah. And then I knew Milo falls and falls into the blades of the police helicopter, and just turns into soup yep yeah and i was like joel silver (laughs) extra violent there he's like all right now i i see you you wrote a uh, 10 here for the ending shane black good job yeah thanks i I really like that he goes but we're gonna turn it up to a 29 (laughs) (laughs) it's not violent enough (laughs) i I want people to actually feel like they're drinking tomato soup (laughs) uh what (laughs) so yeah, then uh, they go down to the parking lot. The cops are there. You know, Joe's not such a bad guy. And, and then, they're buddies now, and they've got, like, a little, like, yeah. quips together now. And they're like, maybe we'll do this again. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the dance. The dance. Uh, when they pull the cameras up to Joe, who just, you know, helped kill Milo, he starts dancing. And the reason is because in the car with Jimmy, he says, listen, if we pull this off, I'm going to dance a jig. And he goes, you're going to what? He goes, I'm going to dance a jig. It's like, what the hell does that mean? You know, a jig. Yeah. Because there's this whole back and forth throughout the whole movie where like uh, Joe likes to tell uh, Jimmy how much he hates rap music. Yes. And he likes, you know, he won't. He won't dance like that, but he will do his traditional jig. <laughs> that reminds me of the thing where Milo has the, the knife up to Joe's face. And he goes, you think you're so tough. You don't, you don't scare at all, do you? And he goes, oh, I scare. Play rap music. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, this yeah. is hitting the like old, disgruntled white man hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Every joke they can with that. Yeah. And like, it's funny because I love it so much in this movie i love it so much in this movie but like i hate those people in real life (laughs) well yeah because they watch this movie and then it's just like yes yeah i'm right and it's like no like you're still an asshole it's funny when they do it in this movie that's not real (laughs) this is pretend yeah but no man, it's, it's, it's real. Funny. I I fucking love like that aspect of this character. I love how much of a shitbag curmudgeon he is. It's great. Well, he gets to punch. Uh, Joe gets to punch the senator in yep. the stomach bec- and the face because he does the joke where he goes face or gut, and the senator huh, and then he hits him in the gut and then knocks him out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the owner of the Dallas Stallions has the wrong beef briefcase and blows up in his giant mansion. And in the distance, when we see them in the parking lot, they both look up and they go, ha I guess he got his, I don't know, he got his package. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it uh, cuts over to the next day because Joe and his wife hug. Oh, yeah, by the way, she was in this film again. Yeah, there the she is again. Beginning and the end. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, by the way, she had a much bigger role in this film, uh, but Joel Silver had it cut down. Because he's just like, oh, Joel Silver and Bruce Willis. Because Bruce Willis complained. He's like, I just got done saving my wife in Die Hard. I don't want to do another saving my wife story. And so, you know, <laughs> he's just like, oh, uh, okay. So Shane Black's like, okay, I'll rewrite it. Yeah. 
Shane, Bla- Shane Black's yeah. better at writing like kids anyway. So like him sort of sort of having to save his kid, but not really. But like kind of in that scene with uh, with Milo, like that plays better. Like yeah. Shane Black's really good at writing kids. Yeah, I wonder what the whole daughter would have been, or the whole wife, like, what that would have been. Now, apparently you can read the original script online. I wasn't going to do that. No, that's reading. This is in front of me. Yeah. (laughs) I already did enough damn research. But, uh, yeah, it's him and Jimmy become partners, and they walk off in the sunset. And did you notice the ADR when they're walking off? Is... They're they're not saying anything when they're walking. And then then they're like, we got to have them talk. Yeah, yeah. Bring him into the studio. <laughs> yeah. And they um, walk off into the sunset together to make a sequel that's going to star me and then ruin the franchise. Yeah. Or you're going to star in it? Yeah. Or? I'm going to be the third. I'm going to be the Joe Pesci. Well, I, you know, I, I consider that like co-starring. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be on the poster, but my name's not going to be above the title. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Co-star. You're going to be like, hey, guys, we can be like the opposite Oreo. Huh? Huh? Damon Wayans, you'll be the black in the middle. Get it? Get it? Get it? Get it? And then they'll be like, we need to cancel this franchise. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Matt. You ruined this. I'll be, I'll be like the with in the credits. The and will be the villain, but I'll be the with. And they'll be like, fuck, we should not have put him in this movie. <laughs> oh, man. He just keeps making really awkward 1992 black and white jokes. Yeah. It's like, oh, he needs to like get out of that time period. <laughs> uh, Ooh. Uh, I'm not like that in real life. That would just be my character in the well, movie. <laughs> we, maybe on PCP you will be. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out right now. <laughs> <laughs> they take about 15 minutes. Okay, okay. next episode. All right. Uh, <laughs> so do we recommend The Last Boy Scout? Absolutely. Um, this one, though, I might... Uh, this was something I should have mentioned at the top. Uh, I This one I might recommend maybe picking up on like a DVD or a Blu-ray because the widescreen cropping is awesome awful yeah yeah. (laughs) um funnily enough this movie and the next movie um but uh yeah like this one it's like cool to see it because you kind of get more of the film look on the vhs where it looks you know it looks older it looks like from 91 that's kind of cool but the cropping is so bad on this (laughs) so it was bad in yours too yeah yeah okay all right because i figured mine because it's a re-release no i think all of the vhs transfers have like the worst fucking cropping and pan and scan ever on it okay (laughs) yeah i noticed it right away i'm like well that that shot's not normal (laughs) yeah so definitely if you like this movie i would this is a very rare thing for me to say but i would say skip the vhs and go to the dvd or the blu-ray uh just because unless you find a widescreen vhs but uh, do that yeah i i would say probably most tony scott films probably look a ton better uh remastered just because you actually get to see his vision and not whatever distributor put it on tape yeah quickly slapped it together so that they could get it in five thousand blockbusters um sometimes the analog feel really just makes the film a lot better like especially when you get to those old 80 horror movies yeah like an 80s horror movie you need to watch on like evil dead is supposed to be watched on a vhs last boy scout you need a better you need the widescreen you need the widescreen for this so Yes, I yeah, I fully recommend it. It's very entertaining. Uh, you might get a headache afterwards, like you could a Michael Bay film, but that's okay because Tony. There's enough Tony Scott in this where you're like, wow, that's that is a really beautiful shot. It's then it's actually one of the best shot scenes is when they're in the owner's uh, office 
and it's that it's really black but they have like lighting from i don't know where the hell the light source is coming from but one of it's from the fireplace mm. and it's got really good shots of actually showing bruce willis sweat yeah it's this movie's sweaty just in general yeah. but yeah oh yeah it's got the early 90s like they desperately need a shower yeah sweaty look yeah and it's great you know just lick your tv you can taste it <laughs> yeah i wholeheartedly recommend this and uh I think uh, I think this one's worth revisiting over and over again. Okay, now let's get into this insane production. And we've been talking for a while now, but uh, that doesn't ever stop us. Uh, Shane Black wrote this after struggling with Lethal Weapon 2 and a breakup that triggered him to quit writing for almost two years. And here's his, this is a really good quote. I was busy mourning my life and in many ways the loss of my uh, my first real love. I didn't feel much like doing anything except smoking cigarettes and reading paperbacks. All things come around, time passed, and eventually I sat down and transformed some of that bitterness into a character, the central focus of a private eye story with which became The Last Boy Scout. Writing that script was a little cathartic. It was a little bit of a cathartic experience, one of the best experiences I've ever had. I spent so much time alone working on that. Days which I wouldn't speak, three, four days, or maybe I just said a couple words. It was a wonderful experience and an intense time where my focus was better than it's ever been. And I was rewarded so handsomely for that script. It felt like a vindication and like I was back on track. At the time, this was the largest original script payout ever, and it was $1.75 million. And wasn't wasn't Lethal Weapon that? At, and that in that time at like 87 wasn't Maybe. that one of the largest buyouts so like he just was on fire oh he was the young kid in hollywood that everyone wanted a piece of and yeah. it wore on him and there was so much pressure for like the weapon too he said he just he cracked um but you could definitely tell why he would be like such a hollywood hotshot because his dialogue is just otherworldly well, next level and also you know at this time period we had our arnold's which you know arnold wasn't exactly a wise cracking guy at this point he was mostly the predator of you know like you've been pushing too many pencils yeah you know he was just he was limited in what he could do now he got much better yeah and you had a lot of older i mean and maybe Stallone was a little bit better, but he was still like, eh, la, la, la. You yeah. know, like, none of them really had quick tongues. Yeah. You but didn't Bruce have... got to have that with this, for yeah. sure. Bruce Willis and uh, who else am I thinking of? Lethal Weapon. Um, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, Bruce Willis. I mean, you kind of had, it was just the different action star coming in. Yeah. And it was cool. I mean, everyone liked it. Like, I, I don't know how Steven Seagal became an action star, but... <laughs> how that guy became a star at all is beyond yeah. me. <laughs> I think he's just a modern Marvel. <laughs> not not because when you look at him, you're stunned. It's more of you look at his like filmography and it's stunning. Well, like, and really, also, this I, happened? <laughs> I look at him and I'm stunned as in like, how does this person exist? <laughs> I know, he's a piece of wood yeah, who, uh, who like can do a kick. Yeah, not even well. Like, he usually just has a stunt double doing it. <laughs> well, no, like, Chuck Norris, he acted like a piece of wood, but it was it was such, like, 
a beautiful piece of wood. You're like, man, that wood is trying. It's terrible, but it's trying so hard. Well, yeah, Van Damme tried. You know, like Van Damme was yeah. never a good actor, but he tried, man. Steven Seagal just didn't fucking open his eyes. <laughs> He's basically doing what Bruce Willis is doing now. Ah, <laughs> uh, Steven Seagal. Do you think we'll ever do a Steven Seagal movie on this? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's the second one he did? Hard to Kill? The one with the voodoo? Well, that's got to come oh, up at some yeah. point. That's yeah. got to come up at some you point. You brought that up in Predator too. <laughs> the, the one with the voodoo is fucking awesome. <laughs> the, the other voodoo 90s action film? Yes, the other one. <laughs> uh, so then we get to just the insanity. I already told you about all the hatred. They, but um, assistant director James uh, Scotch DePool. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but he, he's a really good first, second unit director. Uh, he's known in Hollywood. Like, he worked on True Romance and Untouchables. He's got, like, a huge filmography. I don't know if he ever actually got to be the head director in a film, but directors love working with him. Yeah, sometimes those second unit guys, like, stay there because they're just so good at it. The paychecks are good. The work keeps coming. You know, mm-hmm. like, if they're good at it, man, some of these people, that's, that's, they never want to, you know, make the leap. They just want to be a second unit director. Like, so well, maybe that's, maybe that's what it happened for him. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't have the visionary look, but he really does. I, I don't know, you know, it's it just, he works well with visionary people, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, uh, he's got some great, uh, quotes in this uh he attributed all the onset tension to an overabundance of alpha males on that project bruce was at the height of his stardom so was joel so was tony so was shane there were a lot of people who had a lot of opinions about what to do there were some heated early 90s testosterone charged personalities on the line it was a charged environment shall we say writer shane black had to wrestle with the script I was forced to do more rewriting. This is Shane Black speaking. I was forced to do more rewriting on that movie than on anything else I had ever done. There was tremendous pressure from the studio to get Bruce Willis and have this to be his follow-up to Die Hard. He was reluctant, and rightly so. This whole film is about me saving my wife, and I just did that in Die Hard. So they said, okay, let's minimize the wife, and while we're at it, add a big finale. And there was general pressure to somehow make it more significant and better. So I, I think it's kind of interesting because Shane Black probably had some pressure uh, because he's got to prove his name back after the failed you know, attempt at Lethal Weapon 2. You've got Bruce Willis who's trying to get past Hudson Hawk. Yeah. Which was, I think Joel Silver yeah. did Hudson Hawk too. Yeah. Uh. So you that got was a huge fucking movie that made no money. Yeah. And it, it's a great movie too. That's another one, guys, you need to go revisit. Fucking hilarious. Check it out again. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a long time. But you know, you also had Tony Scott, who wasn't so much um under pressure or under the gun. It's just he's difficult to work with in a good way. Well, he's he is uh, you know, kind of a staunch direct like he's getting his vision. Like yeah, he's not Stay shooting. the fuck out of his way. He's getting the movie he wants. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of like the interesting thing with like Joel Silver and him just butting heads. Like there's too many cooks in the kitchen in this movie and somehow the editor saved it. Well, the mini editors, uh, which, you know, this is kind of like the original. <laughs> there's a lot of people who saw the original cut of this and just said it's borderline unwatchable. It was like two and a half hours long. It's just 
awful. Uh, I would love to see that. But at the oh, same yeah. time, I don't know if I would. It's like a I, Yeah, I mean, I love this movie as it is now, but I, I'll take some more. You can give me some more of it. Uh, different editors were hired to attempt to address Scott's legendary or tendency for filming excessive coverage from multiple angles. So we had editor uh, Mark Helfrich, who did The Predator in Rush Hour, uh, described sorting through this mountains of raw material to edit with the first cut. There was more footage shot for The Last Boy Scout than any film I had ever worked on. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, expert action director Mark Goldblant who did Terminator, Terminator 2, Starship Troopers, uh, recalls it as one of the most painful and frustrating experiences of my entire career and refuses to discuss it in interviews. Although, he did mention in a podcast interview, that's right, podcast. Yeah, uh, we're we're real journalists, guys. (laughs) A podcast interview that several other editors were hired and then fired before him and that Warner Brothers began testing the movie before it was even finished. (laughs) Good, 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 good job, job Warner. Warner Brothers. Well, I mean, with all the fucking money they spent on that script, they were just like, hey, can we get this thing going? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then when editor Stuart Baird. Uh, Baird was brought in, I mean, Superman, like the weapon. This yeah, guy's, this guy's legendary. also a legend, yeah. Uh, I think he did the Super Mario Brothers last cut. Oh, is he? he okay. Yeah, I think he was the one who saved it. Well, uh, I mean, that's, you know... <laughs> quote unquote He's, saved he it. saved it you could say it yeah. <laughs> for matt he saved it because that movie's wonderful yeah. <laughs> uh he was hired uh the the film finally took a positive direction uh baird had been brought in to help re-edit other troubled productions including tango and cash and demolition man he got the film edited down from an nc-17 to an r with quick cuts away from hardcore violence which you can see multiple yeah. times and like, it's still a pretty fucking violent movie. Like, yeah, nonetheless. yeah, yeah. It's a lot of cussing, a lot of violence, and a lot of inappropriate dialogue. Yeah, so of course I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was nominated for two MTV Awards. Uh, best action sequence for the helicopter blade sequence. Sadly, uh, they lost to Terminator 2 and the freeway scene. Well, that's because Terminator 2 is the greatest movie of all time. Yeah. So what I thought was hilarious was Baird came right off editing Terminator 2 into The Last Boy Scout. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, best on-screen duo for Bruce Willis and Damon Wade. Sadly, they lost to Dana Carvey and Mike Myers in Wayne's World. Oh, God, I fucking love Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah. I fucking I was love like, that movie. Those are, t- those are two uh, rough that's, movies. That's uh, tough because yeah. I fucking love both of those movies. Uh, did, I, did I mention how much the total budget for this bloated to? No. Uh, so it was set to be $48 million. I don't know why they set it at 48. Why don't you just set it at 50, your yeah, Warner Brothers, point. whatever. Um, but it ended up bloating to $75 million. Uh, and it had a box office return of 59.5. Uh, you know, it was up against other movies in the theater at the time, like Hook, uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, Adam, The Addams Family, Beauty and the Beast, My Girl, and Cape Fear. So Whoa. not exactly a good time 91 was a good year for movies shit i didn't realize that that much good shit came out then (laughs) i did like the date it came out december 13th 1991 oh christmas shane black fucking of course yeah (laughs) uh it's opening weekend they made 7.9 million and was behind only hook at 13.5 so it came in in second place, but seven point nine million. See again, what's up with all these December releases? We just talked this about this in real life. Hollywood, calm the fuck down. Yeah, December like 
You can release stuff in December, but don't wait and release everything on your slate in December. You know what I mean? Like, spread it out a little bit. No. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, we won't learn our lesson. Yeah, they never will. Because, I mean, this 2018 was one of the worst examples of an overstuffed December. Like, 45 different movies came out in the course of four weeks. It was insane. Well, at least this year, you know, Mary Poppins Returns and Bumblebee, those are for kids. So when they're back from college or they're off from school, they can go see that. This movie, you can't bring a 12-year-old to see this. Yeah, they, they did a thing in the 90s, and I mean, it worked for, like, Scream, where they would counter-program Christmas nowadays we've learned you cannot counter program christmas like it doesn't work anymore it worked for scream it worked for a couple other movies but it doesn't work in the 2010s like it just can't exist anymore (laughs) well yeah when you're up against aquaman bumblebee and mary poppins you can't counter program that shit because that is hitting all the quadrants those movies so you can't counter that if everybody's going to see those yep Uh, you're kind of screwed But let's uh, get into our museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out like Indy into the wild film uh, forest and bring something back, uh, good or bad. We got to learn from it. What's going in our action uh, part. Uh, what's going in our action wing in the museum? For me, uh, it's it's less of a tangible thing, but it's definitely something that I talked about here that I like a lot, and like I think really stands out in this movie uh, over some of Shane Black's other movies. Is I want to put just in the museum the dialogue. Uh, I just love all of the dialogue in this movie. Now I'm gonna call that a cop out because you just put dialogue written by our, one of our famous writers. So I'm demanding you put in. A second. A second thing besides just the dialogue in this movie? Only because of who wrote the dialogue. Okay. Because uh, I think when we walk into our museum, we're just going to have a wing of writers. Yeah, he's that gonna we He's going to be like the yeah. first. <laughs> it's like, for me, it's like Kevin Williamson, James Gunn, uh, Shane Black, Tarantino, Kevin Smith. Like, it's all, it's all my, like, shit that i'm obsessed with um but uh and i knew you'd put that in i like i wanted to write that down in here so i'd be like i guarantee he's gonna he's either gonna put in the duo or the dialogue yeah the dialogue for sure um okay so i'm gonna go ahead and then put in come back to me you go cat puppet gun cat puppet gun okay that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie (laughs) that is the scene it's funny i didn't remember that scene at all after, you know watching it in the late 90s but now it's what anytime someone will mention this i'll be like wasn't it awesome when he shot a dude with a cat puppet yeah god oh there's so much stuff i like in this movie i'm thinking of like specific scenes i like like that one or the dialogue or the dialogue between him and the daughter and when he f- comes home oh man when he takes the assignment from the the fucking uh his boss that just slept with his like oh it's so good there's so much fucking good stuff here that i like it's actually hard for me to put something in the museum um i'm gonna put in you know what i you know what i i'm gonna put in i am actually gonna put in the uh the billy blanks opening scene 
like the suicide, murder suicide yeah. because it throws you into this movie so well. You know what you're getting into when you get that. So that's going to be my option for the museum. I yeah, I, there's a couple. I mean, that is a beautifully shot action piece. That I bet you'd you'd explain that to people, and they're like, "Well, that's not really that action. I mean, that's football." And you're like, "Football is action." Like, yeah, I mean, the, but the way it's, it's a beautiful shot. shot. Yeah, yeah, the way it's shot, the way it's edited, the way it's uh, it tonally gets the feel of the movie. It's sweaty. They have like the horn, the Michael Kamen score with the horns playing and stuff. It, it's great. It's great. <laughs> that's that's the most iconic scene before the cat puppet. Because <laughs> yeah. th- that's what I remembered, mm-hmm. and it's funny too. Is like. For some reason, every time I see Billy Blanks on TV, I get really excited. But a lot of Billy Blanks movies, you know, where he was kind of the starring role, man, he's a terrible actor. Yeah, it just—he's just like a—he's a personality of the '90s, as opposed to like an actor. Well, he's got such a great look. He's like Fabio. He's like a like a personality of the '90s. Yeah, and I'd hang out with him. Yeah. But Billy Blanks would probably try to get us to work out. Yeah, and fucking that's not going to happen for no. me. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Fabio would be better because he's like, you want to walk around? He'd give me not real butter and it'd be great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you want to comb my hair? Sure. Sure, I'll comb your hair, Fabio. Let's fucking hang out, bro. <laughs> wow, you're like 60, year old, 60 years old and this hair is like a feather. <laughs> it's magnificent, Fabio. You're magnificent. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's pretty much Matt and Mai's head right yeah. there. Yeah, that's... What would you do if you got to hang out with Fabio? Probably comb his hair. Yeah, touch his hair. Or just touch him. Like, I just, you know. Is it real? Yep, those are real. Yeah. Oh, man. Fabio. <laughs> Call us. Like, we've been trying to hang for a while. Um. Anyway, let's okay. fucking shoot this thing down. Let's put this down. <laughs> let's put this fucking puppy to sleep. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, uh, YouTube, whatever whatever you want. We're on all the YouTube stuff. Uh, Matt, it's Windy City Horrorama's coming up soon. Yeah, I guess I'll talk about this like in every episode until it happens now. Windy City Horrorama is coming to Chicago once again for part two. Uh, we have an exciting lineup of new films Retro screenings and guests and parties, the party, the legendary parties uh, that you don't want to miss out on. Even if you're not in town, come to town for it because we will show you a good time. All right. Come back next week for another sort of sport movie. Yeah. Are we going to tell them what it is? Nah, fuck it. Let's make them wait. Make them wait for. Oh. But, but I can tell you this. It was made post 9-11. And. Um, well, actually, no, it wasn't. It was released well, post yeah, 9 yeah, good point. It was after some problems. <laughs> so, and it has an X-Man in it. Well, a person in the X-Man movie. Yes. Yep. That's all you get. Yeah, I'm sure several nerds have already figured it out. <laughs> yeah, they're all on the computer. Little keyboards are tapping. All right, come back next week, and remember to be kind. And rewind. Hey, do you guys like horror movies? I do. Do they always have to be good movies? No way. I prefer them to be crap, personally. Well, then you guys are in luck because Horror Movie Night is your expert podcast on both horror movies, good, bad, and gooey. It's just a show of three friends. Brother. Yeah, two brothers and a friend, I, I think you would call. But we're also, we're all friends here, you know. We're friends, we we're all around. friends here. We're yeah. friends. We goof around, but we... <laughs> 
we talk about we talk about movies, but we normally don't actually talk about movies, which is kind of weird. <laughs> it's, it's a weird dynamic. You have to really listen to understand it. But we put together a show every Friday morning. You can find our show hmnpodcast.com. Uh, we're part of the Geekscape Network. We are. You know, we're good guys. Just check us out. We're good, silly guys. We're, we're fun. Please like me. Please. <laughs> That's pretty Please. much the emphasis of everything we do is to be accepted. We want to yeah. be loved. HMMpodcast.com.